God. He wasn't God. To Christians, it's impossible to speak about God without speaking about Jesus because God became a man 2,000 years ago. C.S. Lewis said this, At the heart of our faith is this certain truth. God has come down to us in the person of Jesus. Now we know what God is like, for the Son of Man has made him plain to us. Something we can take away from this. First thing we see, it's, it's a historical fact. It was a historical fact. The second thing we see, it was the most spiritually significant mission for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save. Jesus came looking for something. He came looking for something. You know, we go out on trips, we take a few days off, perhaps we've read about something, and we go, I'm going to go look that. I'm going to go look at that. I'm going to look that up. And I'm going to see what that's like. Jesus came looking for something. Rather, he came looking for someone. He's like the woman who lost a coin and searched her house for it until she found it. He's like the man who lost one sheep and went out into the wilderness to find it. He's like the father who welcomed back his prodigal son home. He came seeking sinners up a tree at midnight by Jacob's well. Jesus came seeking those caught in adultery. Blind beggars, seeking lepers, wild men living in tombs. He came seeking self-righteous Pharisees who thought they didn't need him. He came seeking fishermen. He came seeking politicians, physicians, tax collectors, rich men, poor people. He sought the prostitutes. He sought the drunkards. And they loved him for it. And when he was dying, he came seeking that one hanging on the cross. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. Jesus came seeking as a Savior. We'll never understand him unless we see this very clearly. It was a historical fact. It was a spiritually significant mission. And thirdly, it describes the state of humanity. The state of humanity, which was lost which was lost. This word lost has almost gone out of style in Christian circles nowadays. We don't use it. Are you lost? What's that? No, I know where I'm at. <laughs> we talk of being estranged or maybe away from God, maybe being confused about our purpose in life, about needing a new beginning, but we don't use the word lost. It's a Bible word. What does it mean to be lost? If you're a parent, you probably are familiar with this term. If you've ever gone shopping with your children and you take for one moment your eyes off of them and you focus onto something, you look up and there you are gone. Has this ever happened to anybody? Oh yes, oh yes. And you might hear from an aisle over, where are you at? Or a parent calling out their name. I was in a store the other day and they came over the loudspeaker. We have a lost little child here. <laughs> we have a lost little child here. Just lost. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, by nature we all go our own way. But we're lost. We were lost. 
We're running. We want to do our own thing. You know, dumb sheep have, has nothing on me. <laughs> dumb sheep have nothing on us. We don't even know we're lost until someone from heaven, God, his son, came seeking us out. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. I praise God that he came seeking me this morning. Harry Ironside used to tell a story about a newly converted brother. He'd been saved. And he gave his testimony and the glory to God for his salvation. And after the meeting, an older brother came up to him and said, you forgot to tell about your part in the salvation. And the young man looked at him and thought for a moment. He says, my part in salvation was to run from God as fast as I could. And his job was to run after me and catch me. You've been caught by the Lord this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That should be the testimony of every child of God here. We're lost until Jesus found us. Now we encourage sinners to come to Christ. But we had never come to Christ had he not sought us. Had he not sought us. That's what it means to be truly lost. Lost without God. Lost without hope. Lost in that tangled web of sin. Lost and trapped forever. What then is our hope if we are so hopelessly lost? We find the answer in the words of Jesus who came to seek and to save that which was lost. So what does this mean for us? Firstly, if Christ came, then we must ask why. We must ask why. In the spiritual realm, the greater privilege, the greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility. Sometimes we say ignorance of the law is no excuse. But we rarely act that way, don't we? If a man deliberately breaks the law, we treat him more harshly than someone perhaps that did not know. Same is true of God. If Jesus had never come to earth, we'd all go to hell, condemned by our own guilty conscience. If God did nothing, the whole human race would perish. Why? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's not the situation. Jesus came to earth and made God plain to us. He left heaven and made his home among us to reveal God to us, to show the true nature of his Father. In Jesus, we see God's love. In Jesus, we see God's mercy. In Jesus, we see God's kindness. In Jesus, we see God's justice. In Jesus, we see God's holiness. He came to us full of grace, full of truth. And what did we do to him? We heard his words. We saw his miracles. We listened to his voice. We considered his offer. Then we put him to death. We crucified the Lord of glory. If we neglect Jesus after we know the truth, we'll be condemned to hell forever. Consider the Son, our Son, which is up there, folks. I've got it on good authority. It's still up there. We just didn't see it this morning. But it's up there. But the Son, to one plant, it'll bring life. To another plant, it'll bring death. 
If a branch has been cut off, what happens? The sun causes it to wither and die. The other day I was, had been at the house and went out into town for a few minutes, came back and noticed that a large part of one of my trees had broken off. And I've watched as it just has laid there and not had a chance to cut it up. But it's withering. It's drying up and it's dying. As with the sun in the sky, so it is with the man, son of man from heaven. If a man will not come to Jesus to be saved, then Jesus will come to him for utter destruction. If Christ came, then we must ask why. But also, if Christ came to save, the sinner is without excuse. Without excuse. How would you explain your rejection of Jesus? What would be a sufficient reason for saying, no, I don't need you? It's clear. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, that's a wonderful verse, isn't it? But you go two verses later and you read this. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Condemned already, by the way. That's your state upon birth. That is your state upon birth. We are all fundamentally flawed, fundamentally flawed at our core. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our, un, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do, all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You know, think of it, all those amazingly good people, those good people who somehow end up in hell. There'll be a lot of good people in hell by the world's standards. A lot of good people in hell. You see, the best among us are in need of God's grace. The best of us. We tend to think of all those evil ones. We think of the Hitlers and those. And surely they, they're deserving of hell. You are deserving of hell. You are deserving of hell. But he's given us his grace. You see, sin has infected us. It's affected our mind. It's infected, infected our emotions. It's infected our will. It's infected us, our decision making, our deeds, and our words. There's not a part of our life that ex is exempt from its destructive skills. Sin. If sin were a color, say the color green. Or you pick whatever color you want. And we looked out here we'd be green all over. Some of us would be a dark green. Some of us might be a light green. But we'd all be green. If sin were a color. Sinners need salvation, not reformation. They need forgiveness, not lectures on morality. They need a new life, not a new leaf. Salvation. What sinners need, Jesus came to provide. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If Christ came, then we must ask why. If Christ came to save, then the sinner is without excuse. And if Christ came to save the lost, then the worst 
may be saved. Praise God. Praise God. The Apostle Paul said that I am the chiefest of sinners. And yet, Job, a perfect and upright man, one that eschewed evil, needed a kinsman redeemer. We all need the Savior. Think of it. We all have skeletons in our closet, don't we? We have all got skeletons in our closets. Personal illustration. Years ago, I sat after Sunday morning. It was a strange Sunday morning meeting. Something was different. Something was off. We could see it right away. We recognized it as a body of believers. Something was wrong. Pastor got up, preached the message, said, then said, I want to meet with all the men in the back room. I don't know, there may have been 60 men in that room, maybe 70. And he unfolded the story of what had happened of a man and a wife that had committed adultery. The Wednesday before, that man and woman had been in the church service singing with everybody. We didn't know what was going on. Why did it happen? I don't know. But let me say this. Going to church in and of itself is not enough to keep a man or a woman from sin. We need to have that reminder. You need to have a personal walk with the Lord. You need to have a relationship with the God, which comes from reading his word and spending time with him in prayer. Building your relationship with God. Skeletons in our closet. We look on the outside. We see people that have gotten up and dressed up and cleaned up and, and smell nice and all that. But that's not who we are. You can't tell by looking on the outside of what's going on on the inside in the heart. You know, if we were, be, if we were to be judged by our thoughts truly judged by our thoughts, who of us would live out the day? The joyful news of the gospel is that Christ came to sinners to save sinners. See, Luke 19.10 puts no limits on the grace of God. Corey Tinbu used to say, there's no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. You may have come today because it's the Christmas season. It's the time to go to church. Perhaps you come in here and you're lost. And only now you realize that you're lost in your sin. The good news is that you can be saved right now. You can be saved right now. You may have come to church without Jesus, but guess what? You can leave with Jesus. You've come guilty, but you can go home forgiven. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're forgiven. God has more grace in his heart than you have sin in your life. Jesus is a better savior than you are a sinner. I praise God for that. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. 
All I've been saying is wrapped up in that sentence. If we can understand our sin is an, is an offense against Almighty God, then we are all equally qualified as the vilest offender. I am the vilest offender. What I've truly believed. We all have thoughts that we would rather die than to have spoken out loud. Amen? There are deeds that we have all done that we'd never mention in public. I'm not alone in that. Who among us would say, you know what, just go ahead and put my life up on the screen there and just let her show, let her run? I don't think so. I don't think so. Why? We're a vile, vile offender. We may look nice, we may act nice, but God looks at the heart. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You see, we're, we're all adrift in the same boat apart from the grace of God. And at some point in our life, we realize that boat was going down. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You may think that Jesus cannot save me. I have done some bad things. There is no sin so great that he cannot be more gracious. If you qualify as lost this morning, then guess what? You are an excellent candidate for salvation. Jesus came seeking you this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning and you say, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Well, child of God, Jesus is still seeking you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He wants to have fellowship with you. Do you let him have part of your life? Do you let him have your whole life? Does he have access to your whole heart? Whatever your need is this morning, won't you come? Won't you come to Jesus this morning? Father, we ask that you'd have your will and way now in the hearts and lives represented here today. May people be willing to do business with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.